0: This is a Kitty Pod production. Welcome to CR Crime, a podcast of true crime tales from New York's Capital Region. I'm your host, Jason Bullet. First off, I hope that all of you listening had yourselves a safe and restful holiday season. For our first episode of 2021, it's ladies first as we throw the spotlight on Karen Ely, who murdered her husband almost 40 years ago and was released from prison on her third attempt at parole. Born amongst the earliest of the post-World War II baby boom generation, Karen Ely grew up in Albany, New York's capital city. After graduating from SUNY Oneonta in 1969, she went to work as a schoolteacher. During her tenure, she met and married her husband, a man several years her senior named Raymond, and the couple had a child named Robert. School teachers then as now, were severely underpaid, thus Eli was forced to work two jobs. As one could imagine, this put a good deal of strain on the marriage. Never mind the fact that Karen was also struggling to foot the bill for her mother's cancer treatment while raising Robert. The mother would eventually succumb to the disease, sadly. In late 1981, the couple filed for divorce, but the worst was yet to come. When all was said and done, Raymond was granted overnight visitation rights to Robert as a result of the divorce proceedings. The series of five visitations were set to start the weekend of February 6, 1982, but Karen would assure it would never happen. On the evening of February 4th at 7.30, and with the help of a 23-year-old handyman named Robert Huntington, Karen lured Raymond into the basement of her Rensselaer home on the pretext that she needed help cleaning up in that part of the house. Huntington, who had been lying in wait with a clothesline, strangled Raymond while Karen held the latter's wrists. Raymond had originally come to the house to pick up some personal effects of his but they were removed after the murder to try and fool the police into thinking that a robbery had taken place in the home upon their arrival. The next day, Raymond's body was found in his own car, which was abandoned near the Greyhound bus terminal in downtown Albany. Karen and Huntington were both arrested for the murder on October 30th and charged with second-degree murder. The former told the latter that she and her son's babysitter disposed of Raymond's possessions in a dumpster in East Greenbush. The trial took place in early 1983 after Karen pled not guilty to the aforementioned charges. From what little information can be gleaned, Karen testified on her own behalf that she did not murder her estranged husband, rather putting the blame on Huntington. Cross-examination by the prosecuting attorney, Stephen Coffey, got her to cop to a series of statements recorded on a set of three tapes that proved to be true. Huntington, for his part, testified that the motive behind the murder was to prevent Raymond from his overnight visits with Robert, thus corroborating the prosecution's claims. He also stated that he expressed doubt in committing the murder, but was swayed back to action by Karen. On February 10th, Karen was found guilty of the aforementioned charge of murder and sentenced to 17 years to life in prison. Furthermore, the presiding judge described Karen's actions as, quote, a cold, calculated, planned action to get what she wanted for her own betterment. And she wanted the best of all possible worlds and be damned, Raymond. End quote. Way to paraphrase Gottfried Leibniz, Your Honor. He also stated that no parole would be granted, and if given the option, he would have really thrown the book at Karen and given her the maximum sentence of 250 years in prison. In this reporter's opinion, 25 to life would have done better, but just the same she was transferred to the Bedford Hills Correctional Facility, a maximum security women's prison in Westchester County. Asked the court for an admission in the... Karen was not three years into her sentence when new details emerged, though they did nothing to exonerate her. In 1986, Albany County District Attorney Saul Greenberg asked the court for an admission in the evidence of tape-recorded conversations between her and Raymond, claiming that Karen's motive for murdering Raymond was preventing him from gaining overnight visits with their son, as per the aforementioned divorce proceedings. Two of the tapes, recorded between August and September 1981, featured testimony from his roommate. Karen turned them over to the police after the murder. The third tape also featured testimony but this time from Paul Oliver, Raymond's matrimonial attorney, who admitted that Raymond turned it over after, quote, about three to four weeks, end quote, and featured notations in his handwriting. The matter went to the New York State Court of Appeals, who accepted the evidence by unanimous seven to nothing decision on the basis that the tape recordings were, quote, clear and convincing proof, end quote, that they were the genuine article. On these tapes, to delve even further, was Raymond's efforts to be granted visitation rights which were for naught. Karen vehemently denied these requests, but offered to waive her claim to child support even though she had been making $50 a week. Again, see, schoolteachers, comma, severely underpaid. Also, she didn't want Robert, then all of two years old, to be anywhere near Raymond, stating that the latter had done something to frighten, in air quotes, the former, and even threaten her ailing mother. And to top it off, Karen let slip that she had been under indictment for arson in response to his claims that the pregnancy was an attempt to improve a marriage that had been on the rocks at the time and had every opportunity to leave him, which she did after arson charges levied against her were dropped. Karen, as stated earlier, denied any and all involvement in the murder and also did the same as regards the accuracy of the tapes and had no recollections of certain statements she made thereon. With all that out of the way, it didn't change Karen's status one iota, as we mentioned earlier, and she remained in prison. During her sentence, Ely, who will be referred to as such for the rest of this episode, was transferred to the Taconic. With all that out of the way, it didn't change Karen's status one iota, as we mentioned earlier, thus she remained in prison. During her sentence, Ely, who will be referred to as such for the rest of this episode, was transferred to the Taconic Correctional Facility, also located in Westchester County, but with less stringent security. She also spent her time productively, earning a certification as an HIV-AIDS counselor and worked in the law library on completion of a legal research course. However, it wasn't all smooth sailing as she started experiencing a raft of health problems. On October 15, 1990, Ely claimed she was injured when a load of frozen meat fell on her, crushing her legs and fracturing her ankle in the process. She underwent several surgeries to correct whatever problems arose from the injury, for which she sued New York State for $1 million. She has since needed a cane to get around. But that wasn't all. Eight years later, she had a lump removed from her breast. As far as anyone can know, the tumor was benign. In 2007... That year will come up again later on, stay tuned. Ely had developed gallstones and had to have her gallbladder removed. Seven years later, she had to have a knee replaced and more surgery done on her wrist, mainly as an effect of progressive osteoarthritis. And as if all that wasn't enough, she had also reported having issues with sight and hearing, getting denied requests for glasses, a hearing aid, and what the Release Aging People in Prison Coalition termed as medical footwear. A year from the minimum of her sentence, Ely applied for parole in 2007 after serving 24 years in prison. She was denied parole and was left to suffer the same fate every two years thereafter or thereabouts. Finally, on January 20, 2017, almost a year after claiming abuse as a motive for murdering her estranged husband, Karen Ely was granted parole and was released from prison at year's end. The parole board cited her good conduct and compass assessment score, but more importantly, her admission that she indeed murdered Raymond and her statement that prison had changed her and made her a different person. All this despite opposition from Raymond's sister, Barbara Busy, who fought hard to see Ely remain in prison for the rest of her life. Thanks for listening to this episode of C.R. Crime, the only podcast that deals with tales of true crime from New York's capital region. This podcast is written, produced, narrated, and edited by yours truly, Jason Bullet, Also host of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, of which this is an offshoot. If you like this podcast, you can review this and my other podcast, in fact the whole feed, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcast of your choosing. Or better yet... Tell a friend and those in your circle. That's the best way that podcasts help get promoted and get more listeners. Until next week, stay safe out there. Bye-bye.